Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Today is probably the scariest, scariest I've been preaching a sermon. Whenever, you know, I don't want to ever mislead anybody. I've got a confession to make. Up until I was a sophomore in high school, I wasn't a cowboy. My dad was. When I was two, when I was two years old, we were living on 42 sections of Weatherby-owned land in Kainosa, Texas, and my great-grandmother sold it. I, I, I was raised by a, by a cop. You know, my dad went into law enforcement after we lost the ranch, and, um, you know, we lived in town. Now, I still did some rodeoing, you know, in junior high and, and stuff like that, and I could ride a horse and everything. But, but honestly, I wasn't a cowboy, but something changed my junior year of high school. What changed was my dad got sick of the local politics in my hometown, and halfway through his second term as the elected sheriff of Reagan County, he turned in his badge. He had arrested a prominent citizen's son for the third time for DWI, or he had, this kid just kept driving drunk, underage, kept driving drunk, and he told him, he said, if it happens one more time, I'm going to charge you. It happened again, so dad charged him with DWI, and the county judge called him into his office and said, hey, we're going to drop these, I need you to drop these charges. He goes, no, I ain't going to do it. He said, Pulled out a folder and he said, well, you know that new cop car you need? I don't think we're going to be able to do that this year. And Dad said, if that's the way this county's going to run, you can do it yourself. And he went to work on the Rockerby Ranch. Absolutely changed my life. We went out to the Rockerby Ranch and all of a sudden we had, we had a whole string of horses. And, and we had 270 sections to go ride on. And I learned how to gather my whole attitude Change. It's like something inside of me came alive. Not only did my attitude change, but my priorities changed. You know, I, I'll be honest, I, I was like a lot of other city kids. I mean, you know, I, I watched TV and rode bicycles down the street, and there's nothing wrong with that. Played a lot of video games, but there's just something different about being, uh, you know, moving to the country where they're, they're, you know, we didn't, we had a party line. Now, kids, ask your parents what a party line is, okay? It provided hours of entertainment in and of itself. I know who had a party line now. I don't even have to ask for hands. But my priorities changed. I used to look out for number one. Now, I was learning that, that it didn't matter how cold it was. It didn't matter if it was raining, or especially in Texas, how hot it was. You had a job to do. Your comfort level really meant absolutely nothing. Where used to, everything revolved around me. Now everything revolved around taking care of the cattle, taking care of the horses, taking care of the fence, taking care of the windmills. You know, I mean, down there in Texas, you got to have water. I mean, those windmills have to run all the time just to keep up during the summer with thirsty cattle and, and big pastures. And probably the most important thing 
is I kind of always had in the back of my mind that when I grew up, I might follow in my dad's footsteps and be a cowboy. But I didn't wait until tomorrow to become a cowboy. When we moved out there and something inside of me came alive, I said, I want this and I want it right now. Now, I've got butterflies because this is probably the bravest thing that I will ever do. Well, hopefully not. But a lot of times people come up and they say, okay, did that really happen? It doesn't matter what I say. We talk about stories and, you know, did that really happen like that? And, you know, I'm not going to say that there might not be a little embellishment every now and then, but, you know, all of these things happened to the extent that's me. Rocking the mullet with a perm. This is my sophomore year of high school. If you will notice the nice Bon Jovi t-shirt. Yeah, living on a prayer, baby. That was me my sophomore year of high school. I was a city kid, you know? This is my senior picture. Unmistakable unmistakable. Is there something that we can see in a Christian's life that is absolutely night and day? Something that is unmistakable. The fifth mark of unmistakable Christianity. We've been in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and we finished up chapter 2 and we're going to jump forward to chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and one of the most famous Bible verses ever is found in verse 17 where the Apostle Paul, who also had a similar experience of who he once was to who he was then, says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. The fifth mark of unmistakable Christianity. Change is not a requirement of being a Christian. Understand what I say here. Change is not a requirement for being a Christian. It is a result of being a Christian. In Luke chapter 19, now, now a lot of you, if you were raised in church, you've heard the, the I don't even know what you call it. There's something that they teach little kids, in, especially growing up in the little Baptist church in Big Lake, Texas. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree that me and Ty got to see in Jericho, by the way which was also maybe not the exact tree, but it was a sycamore tree, and it's kind of the traditional place where this happened. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the Lord said, Zacchaeus, you calm down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. It's amazing what you remember. I haven't said that. I said it on the way home last night. I haven't said that and probably... Well, let's see how, I was probably nine at the time, so that was like, probably, what, 12 years ago, something like that, and uh, 
The story of Zacchaeus. Now, now, okay, so, so a couple of things that you have to know about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector of the region. Not just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was a Jew. He was a son of Abraham that had sided with the Romans, and he was making money stealing from his countrymen and working with the enemy. Now, you've got three guesses, and the first two don't count, of what people thought of Zacchaeus. Not only that, but he had little man syndrome. So, you know, a little man with a lot of power, you can just imagine what this fellow was like. But he heard that this fellow named Jesus was coming. Well, there was a big crowd in Jericho. Well, he wasn't going to be able to see because he was a little old short guy. So he climbs up in a sycamore tree so that he can see this guy that everybody's talking about. And here he comes, walking down the road. And he doesn't stop. And he walks right up to that tree. Jesus does. And he goes, Zacchaeus, come here. I want to go to your house. I want to go to your house. And what happens next is one of the greatest stories of the impact that Jesus Christ had on people of the day and the same kind of impact he wants to have on each and every one of you. The fifth mark is unmistakable change. The very first change is a change in attitude. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your, home, your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. He welcomed him gladly. This is a guy that would steal. That his God was money. Why in the world? That's the kind of impact that the Lord had on people. An authentic Christian has a drastic change in attitude. You know, I said that whenever I went to work on the ranch, that I always looked out for number one. But one of the greatest qualities I know of a cowboy is number one usually goes to dead last. I mean, I, I, I talked to Dell this morning. He, you know, he had heifers out. Nothing ever happens on a ranch until Sunday morning when you're getting ready to go to church. Okay, it just, it's, it's kind of one of those deals. But we always take care of our stock first. It's not just us every time. We go, another change in attitude is we go from bitter and disappointed at life to a life of contentment and expectations of the good things that God has for us. Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. And Zacchaeus climbed down and welcomed him gladly. Hey, pardon me for just a second. We're fixing to hit the backside of this pasture, so it's time to step off and cinch them up. While we're down here, I want to see if you can help us out. We really do need a hand in this ministry, and the fact that you're listening right now means that you're riding with us. All you have to do is text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977, and you can help us out in less time than it would take to pull your rope down. Again, text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. Thanks for the hand, pards. The second thing that changes for a Christian, the unmistakable change is not just a change in attitude, but a change in priority. 
If you go down to Luke chapter 19, verse 8, it says this, But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. This is a guy that made his living stealing. Money was this guy's God, and he had a drastic change in priorities. See, he traded everything that was temporary for everything that was eternal. You know, I, I've got a question here. It's not an easy question, okay? I know. It's not easy to say, and it's not going to be easy to hear. How many times must Jesus repeat himself for us to believe him? How many times must Jesus repeat himself for us to believe him? There was a story of a rich young man that came up to Jesus and said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, obey all the commandments. He said, man, no sweat. I've been doing that since I was a child. Jesus said, one thing you still like, lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then come and follow me and you will, you will inherit eternal life. And you know what that fellow did? Walked away sad for he had many possessions. How, must, how many times must Jesus repeat himself before we believe what the word says? See, money cannot be your God. Now this is, I'm not trying to, we, we've all been here, okay? But how much of our time do we spend in pursuit of the almighty dollar versus the, time, the amount of time we spend in pursuit of the almighty God? It's a tough question. But see, for a Christian, a born-again Christian, it says, for you are a new creation. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. You don't have to worry about money anymore. Jesus says you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or where you're going to stay. He said, I clothe the flowers and I feed the birds. How much more do you mean to me? A change in priorities. We spend most of our life stressed out and worried over what? Money. Money. Bible says you cannot serve God and money at the same time. One's going to rule your life. Which one runs your life? See, money used to run Zacchaeus' life, and then he had a chance encounter with, the, with God's only son, and it changed him to the point that he says, I, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You know what he just did right then? He just made himself a poor fella. Because he had cheated a lot of people. If I cheated you out of a dollar, I'm going to give you four back. He's out of money. Ask him if he cared. Nope, because he'd come face to face with the living God. Now, there's nothing wrong with money, okay? Lot, not Lot, uh, uh, Job had a lot of money. Solomon had a lot of money. There's several other people that had a lot of money. That's no big deal. But Jesus said it is easier for the uh, camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. And it's not, it has nothing to do with having money. It's that money is their God. That's their pursuit, a change in priorities, the love of money.
is the root of all evil. We're going to put this to the test at Save the Cowboy. We're going to put it to the test. Here's the test. Day before yesterday on Friday, we closed on the 40 acres that the indoor arena that will serve as the Save the Cowboy headquarters, a community center for everybody around here where you can come ride, that you know that you can send a kid to a safe place to, where we can have uh, cattle for events, where we can have a fellowship, where we can have all of this stuff. We're going to put an indoor arena out there, and we're not going to borrow money to do it. Because, see, the Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And we've got people just right here in this congregation that can help us build that arena with no debt. We've even got more people on the radio and watching online. See, here's the, here's the bad part. Money's the last thing to go. Money's usually the last thing standing in between you and somebody and an authentic relationship with God. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Drastic, unmistakable change in priority. And the third thing, well, here's Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, meaning people are watching, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. There was a lady that posed a great question. Some people say, well, you know, okay, so you're saying that I have to give away everything. No, I'm not telling you that. If God tells you that, you better do it. I'm not asking you to. A lot of people, and, and this isn't a tithing sermon or anything like that, but a lot of people say, well, tithing is Old Testament. And sure enough, it's in Malachi. If you want to look it up, God says give 10%. They said, oh, that's Old Testament. We're in a New Testament time. Jesus said give everything. Take your pick. <laughs> that's supposed to be funny. That's supposed to be funny. But this lady posed a question. She said, I believe in God, but I'm not putting God before my kids. I'm not putting anybody before my kids, God or anybody else. And you know what? I get that. I totally get that. But what she didn't understand is that when you come to God and you do put Him first in your life, that suddenly you are able to love your kids far and surpassing anything you could have done beforehand. So you don't have to pick God over your children. You are picking your children by putting God first. See, God makes us capable of things that we were never capable of before. The first commandment says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What is standing in your way? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so many people that are watching, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Unmistakable change. Unmistakable change. And the third thing is this. 
change for today. See, Zacchaeus didn't wait until he got all of his finances in order. The most dangerous act in the world is for you to sit there and say, you know what, I, I hear what, what, what Ty said about forgiving. I heard what Jack and Deb preached about, about God's will for our lives and to use us. And that I'm going to be a diamond someday. And I hear, Kevin, what you're saying. Man, this is hard preaching. Jesus even said it. He said, this is hard preaching. Are you going to leave me too? You want to trade everything in your life that's temporary, that will be given up. You will take nothing with you. Don't you want to change everything that is temporary into something that is eternal? Tomorrow, waiting until tomorrow is the most dangerous act that anybody will ever have in their life. You, the change of time does nothing except change the date on the calendar and your age and brings you one closer to death. You will not be somebody else tomorrow that you are not today. Monday. I'll wait until Monday. I'll start that on Friday. I'll start, I'll start doing something the next time I get paid or whenever I get out of debt, I'll do this. Whatever it takes. Tomorrow is the most dangerous word in Christianity, unless you're talking about chewing your horses. That's okay. You can wait till tomorrow to chew your horses. I do. Jesus said today, after Zacchaeus made that pronouncement, Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Today, salvation has come to this house. What will God bring you today? Or more importantly, won't you come before God today with an unmistakable change in your attitude, an unmistakable change in your priorities, and an unmistakable change that doesn't occur tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, when your kids are out of school, when your grandkids are born, when you finally get the house paid off, you see God is calling you today. Every single one of us, He's calling today. Change is not a requirement of Christianity. It is a result. See, most people think that change, that God's going to ask you to quit doing all of this stuff. No, that's not it. See, what God wants to do is take the lid off of what you are capable of through Him. He wants to change your life. Not tomorrow. He wants to do it today. And just like Zacchaeus, you can sit here, and before you leave here, you can make a decision. Make the right one. Change is not a requirement of Christianity. It is a result a change in attitude, a change in priority, and a change in today. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we love you so much, and we thank you that you don't wait on us. You've been calling us. 
We don't have to do anything. We don't have to change anything to come to you. We come to you so that you can change us, to turn us into something that we never could have come before, where you can change our life of fear and worry into a life of fulfillment and purpose, of making us into where we once just worried about what we thought about things, and we thought about our comfort, and we thought about what we were going to do, and now we are changed magnificently, unmistakably, into a new person. And it can happen right now. God, I pray that you give that cowboy or cowgirl that's sitting there right now, that they've heard you, man, and they're fighting it. They're like, they're trying to disagree, and I don't believe that, and whatever. God, just shoot through all those lies that the devil is whispering in people's ears and use your power and your glory to reach into the hearts of everyone listening and change them unmistakably. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for another clinic. Before you ride off, we have a special gift for you. Save the Cowboy has a brand new app available for iPhones and Android smartphones and tablets. You never have to miss another message, and we've thrown even more stuff in. There's a Bible, our full unedited clinics, Cowboy devotionals, videos. You can even order our books or call and talk to me. That's a ton of stuff that will keep you riding right beside the Lord for years to come. Please download it by searching your app store for Save the Cowboy, and don't forget to lend us a hand if God has blessed you and you like what we're doing. Just text Save the Cowboy to 77977. That's Save the Cowboy to 77977. For Save the Cowboy, I'm Kevin Weatherby. Stay out of the wire.